You are listening to episode number 30 of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. Hey, hey, and welcome back. Last week, we entered a new series on revamping your pedagogy to make it more student-centered. In episode 29, we covered what that really means, and I left you with a few questions to reflect on your current teaching practice. If you missed that episode, I really want to encourage you to go ahead and press pause and head back and give it a listen, because I think it will provide some much-needed context for today's episode. Because today, we're going to talk about why you should consider making the shift to a more student-centered teaching practice this upcoming school year. Not only will it better serve your students and it better allow you to serve them, it can also require less from you if it's implemented correctly. And I promise this isn't too good to be true. Let's get started and I'll explain it all to you. This is Secondary Science Simplified, a podcast for secondary science teachers who want to engage their students and simplify their lives. I'm Rebecca Joyner from It's Not Rocket Science. As a high school science teacher turned curriculum writer, I'm passionate about helping other science teachers love their jobs, serve their students, and do it all in only 40 hours a week. Are you ready to rock the time you spend in your classroom and actually have a life outside of it? You're in the right place, teacher friend. Let's get to today's episode. So first and foremost, the number one reason you should make the shift to student-centered teaching practices is because students simply learn better when they're at the center. And this isn't a novel concept. If you have taken any educational psychology or development or theory courses, you have probably learned about Jean Piaget, who was an early 21st century psychologist who insisted that children learn best by doing rather than hearing about something. And there has been so much research since then that supports this concept. And I don't need to cite all of the different educational theorists and research papers on this. If you're interested, you can go to your local library or Google all of the articles that will back this up. But I just want to simply challenge you to consider how you learn best. I think of the first time I actually had to use a manual tire pressure gauge and then subsequently use the air pump at a gas station to refill my tires, which by the way, I don't understand why in 2022, those still only take coins. Like who has coins on them? I wish I could say me, but I don't at all. But I digress. It's still a sensitive topic because I was on a road trip with my children. I was pregnant. I had, you know, a two-year-old and a three-year-old with me. They were napping in the car, which is, you know, just the stars had aligned where they were both asleep. And I get the tire pressure notification on my car that one of my tires is low. And I was on these back roads in Georgia and I was so nervous about something happening. Like what if it's really low and I end up busting a tire out here and then I'm changing a tire pregnant on the side of the road with two sleeping toddlers in my car. So I had to pull over and I had to address the situation. And this isn't something I had no concept of. I had seen a tire pressure gauge before. I had, you know, someone had shown me how to do it at one point in my life. And even in that moment, I was able to Google and read step-by-step, like on ehow.com, exactly how to do it. 
And I even had a good enough service. I FaceTimed my nearly 70-year-old father and had him explain it to me. So I heard it, I read it, but it wasn't until I literally put my own hands on it and I was holding the gauge and I walked through the process myself that I finally really understood it. And I had a memorable enough experience that now anytime this happens again, I won't panic. I know I know what to do. I can refer back to that learning experience and I can walk through those steps again. I truly learned how to use the gauge and how to use the air pump and all that goes into that. And our students are the same way. They learn best when they are most in control of their learning and when they're most actively engaged in it, just like we do. Now, I want to emphasize, though, why I think student-centered pedagogy is especially critical for those of us who are teaching high schoolers. Because whether our students are leaving us to head off to a four-year college, or they're going directly into the workforce, or they're doing something in between, we are launching them out on their own. And for the majority of our students, this is really the first time that they are experiencing true independence and true autonomy. And I really can't tell you how many of my students I know personally, I've seen drop out of college or they get into the real world and this job and this career, they were so confident they were going to pursue and they just find it to be much harsher than they ever anticipated. And I feel like the number of students experiencing this has only been increasing over the last few years. And I know that there's so much going into this. There's so much happening in our society and there's so much our students have experienced psychologically and emotionally in the last few years that has really changed them. And so I'm not trying to say that the blame is at all to be put entirely on as teachers like you and me. But I do think when I think about myself as an educator, that I can always do a better job pushing my students, however reluctant they may be, to be more responsible for their own learning and to create experiences like I had with that tire pressure gauge to really be actively engaged in it in order to really learn it. And I also know from my own personal experience that this is a lot easier said than done. I had some amazing professors in college who really modeled and inspired me to use inquiry-based teaching methods. Only I found that when I attempted to use these with my own students in my classroom, I was met with so much opposition. Phrases like, this is too hard, or you aren't actually teaching us anything, and I can't learn this way, were just like the regular refrains in my classroom. It felt like every day I had more and more pushback. But I think these refrains that we constantly are hearing from our students are actually even more of a reason to make this shift because our students need us to. The more we lean into teacher-centered instruction and kind of default to that, the more students expect us to keep doing the bulk of the learning for them. And then the more passive we allow them to be, the more apathetic they become, and thus the more resistant they are to change. And it becomes this really vicious cycle that's continually perpetuating bad habits and really bad attitudes in our classroom. And I know for you and me, this is exhausting to hear our students talk this way and to constantly feel like we're fighting against negative attitudes or, you know, sometimes even worse completely non-existent attitudes, students that are so apathetic, they're just completely disengaged. 
And I know it would be a whole lot easier to just default back to those traditional pedagogy things that we've done that are teacher-centered and lecture-driven. We've been doing them for years. And if you've been around here, you know, I believe there's a place for effective and engaging lecture in the classroom. And I will make sure to link a blog post in the show notes at it's not rocket science classroom.com slash episode 30 about my thoughts about lecture. But I also believe that we have a responsibility as secondary science teachers specifically to equip our students to be independent learners, critical thinkers, and action takers. And I really believe that can best be done through a pedagogy that is centered around students. And this is, again, why I really wanted to do this series of podcast episodes now. Well, hopefully you're on summer break before the school year starts up again, because I know that making a shift in your pedagogy will be a big change for you, and it will be a change for your students to adjust to. And so I think that change and transition can happen a lot more easily if we do it by starting the year fresh with these changes, and we kind of set the tone that learning is going to be done a different way in our classrooms, regardless of how learning is happening in any other classroom in your building. This is how it's going to go down in your classroom. Another reason I think it's important to make the shift to a more student-centered pedagogy is that it creates space for you to better serve your students, for you to differentiate more, and just have the ability and capacity to meet a variety of students' needs. It is so hard. I don't need to tell you this, you know, but it is so hard to meet the needs of every learner in our classrooms when we're managing 30 plus students and we're doing it on stage while they're all seemingly sitting in the audience, just staring back at us with their mouths open. It is a whole lot easier to meet those students where they are when we are amongst them, when we are working alongside them. When I think of like a ship analogy, like when we are on the crew in the learning process, rather than sitting in the captain's seat, you know, steering the ship, you know, we don't need to be driving the entire ship. We need to be on the crew, with them, in the trenches, making things happen. I really think this helps with addressing student apathy too, which I know is a huge issue and one of the main reasons why a lot of us have pushed back against putting the time and energy to shift to student-centered pedagogy. Apathy is a problem. I acknowledge that. Student-centered learning isn't you giving them, though, a bunch to do on their own. It's not you giving this whole group of apathetic students like a load of stuff to do and then piecing out and sitting at your desk or going to the teacher's lounge to reheat your coffee. That's not what student-centered learning is. Student-centered learning is giving them autonomy apart from you so that you are free to leave your stake out at the demo table in the front of your whiteboard and move around your room and actually engage with students on a one-on-one basis. That's why I love student-centered learning. I love being able to feel like I can leave my demo table. Like that's where I felt like I spent so much time my first few years teaching between the whiteboard and the demo table at the front of the room, dinging my bell and shouting out instructions and just managing people. And I felt like the more mature I got in my teaching practice and the more experience I got and the more I learned from other educators around me, the more I was able to kind of leave my position in my stakeout up there and move amongst the students and really meet them where they were. And now if you're hearing this and it sounds tiring, stick with me because another thing I've learned through 
altering my teaching style to be more student-centered is that it's actually best for us as teachers as well. Because you know that teaching is exhausting. I know for me, there were days I would get home and like my back was sore and my voice was hoarse. And I'm like, did I just do like back-to-back Broadway productions? Because that's what it feels like. I want to take off the tap shoe, so to speak, and put my pajamas on, even if it was 4 p.m. So I get that feeling of exhaustion and feeling like you're almost performing on a day-to-day basis. But that's not what being a great teacher has to be like. So much, especially in these last few years, has been put on teachers, and it seems like less and less support is being provided to teachers as more and more responsibilities are given. And it's just, it's too much. So we can kind of kill two birds with one stone, so to speak, by serving our students and putting them at the center of learning. It also takes us out of the center of learning. And this can actually be incredibly relieving. It can suck way less energy out of you if you do it well and you get out of that position on center stage and you start to be among students in the audience and having more of those one-on-one relationships and those one-on-one connections and conversations that take way less energy being drained from you than being at the front on stage feeling like you're putting on a show every day for students and trying to especially trying to put get those apathetic students to lighten up and engage. It kind of takes the pressure off when you step aside and push students into the spotlight. Okay, so how? How do we actually go about doing this? How do we actually shift our pedagogy to better equip students and then also better serve ourselves so that we can then serve our students? That is what the next two episodes are all about. So please stay tuned. Wherever you listen to Secondary Science Simplified, be sure to follow or subscribe so that you'll be notified when the next episode in our series drops on Monday. And in the meantime, if you are just like listening to this and you're kind of fired up and you're just like itching to do something practical to feel prepared for next school year, you need to go to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge. I have a free classroom reset challenge, and this is the perfect time of year to do it. It basically walks you through five tasks to do in your teaching space, whatever that looks like, in order to feel like your physical teaching space is ready and prepared for next school year. So while you're waiting and figuring out how to shift your pedagogy to be more student-centered, which is coming, that's all coming in the next two episodes, go to isnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge, and let's get your classroom organized in the meantime. And then I'll see you next week for more. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.